You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Quiet. It's a shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. Oh! A spectacular move by Michael Jordan! And now, your host. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fisher. Welcome to our show. Earlier this week, we spoke to Ray Moraldi about the Los Angeles Lakers and how their season's been going so far. And for this first segment, we'll revisit that talk. One of the few bright spots that Ray highlighted was Jordan Clarkson. Aaron, what do you think about Ray's assessment of his skills and his potential going forward? I think Ray was objective. He was definitely fair. And he was excited about Jordan Clarkson, and for good reason. The guy's young. This is actually his second season in the league, and he's already such a consistent offensive player. He shoots well. He shoots a higher percentage. And he's decisive in his actions. He knows pretty much if he's going to pass or shoot and doesn't really waver. He's not really that good of a passer. Ray kind of talked about that, that he's more of an attacking two, and that's okay because they do have D'Angelo Russell there, and Kobe Bryant brings the ball up from time to time. But he's definitely going to be a guy to keep an eye on over the offseason. The Lakers are really going to want to re-sign him. If they don't try, they're making a dumb decision. He could garner a lot of money, and so then you have to do the cost-benefit analysis of if he's worth what uh, he's going to go for in the offseason. But he's one of the better young offensive guards in the league, so I think that they should take a swing at him in a good way, not a violent way. Yeah, especially with the oncoming retirement of Kobe Bryant, I think they'll look to Clarkson to fill some of that hole left by him. Yeah, he's definitely the best scorer right now this season that the Lakers have. Joshua, do you have any opinion on anything else about Clarkson especially what it might take to keep him in free agency for the Lakers? Yeah, he's 23 years old, as Aaron said, only in his second season in the NBA, already a prolific scorer. He's starting the season at point guard for the Lakers, but ideally when D'Angelo Russell gets the playing time he deserves, Clarkson will move over to the two. The Lakers this season are, are dead last in the NBA in assists per game. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that their starting point guard, Clarkson, only averages barely over two per game, two assists per game. So they're going to want to see him at two. But what it's going to take to keep him is the Lakers are going to have to show Jordan Clarkson that they really want to win. Right now, the team they're fielding, the minutes that guys are playing, we're not even sure if, if they're trying to win. Can I interject for a second, Lauren? I want to say, and it's an excellent point that Joshua brought up about the assists. Kobe Bryant, for however long people have said this about him, he actually used to be a really good passer. He would shoot too much always, yeah, but he used to be really good. So that wasn't that big of a problem. But this year, his assists are way down. So when you have a guy like Kobe Bryant who used to be a good passer who's going to be gone after this season and maybe or maybe not they get Jordan Clarkson back the Lakers are going to need going forward we'll talk about this more later when we discuss their outlook they're going to need to find a distributing guard 
And maybe that's D'Angelo Russell. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's someone else. But they're going to need to share the ball in order to do well. And I want to say one other thing about Clarkson. Defense is another significant problem for the Lakers this season. And Clarkson does have a ways to go with regard to improving his defense. And Ray mentioned that. But from what I see, this is just my personal opinion. I've seen some advanced stats on this too. Clarkson's actually not that bad of of a defender. A lot of times young guys early in their career struggle really bad on the defensive end and for only his second season guarding the league's quickest guys he's actually not bad so I think he could grow on the defensive end. Both of you brought up in your answer the development of D'Angelo Russell. Ray had a lot of opinions on how Byron Scott is distributing his minutes especially not deigning to go to him in late game situations. We actually saw D'Angelo Russell get a little bit of run at the end of the Minnesota game on Wednesday, which the Lakers only lost by one. This is the second time that the Lakers have lost to the Timberwolves by one. It's tough. Russell did well there. How much do you think that means for his development? And how do you think his minutes are being handled, Joshua? Well, I think it's it's huge to let him play late in the game because a, a player like D'Angelo Russell who only spent one year playing at the collegiate level. He's in his rookie season. He needs confidence. And right now, um, the way Byron Scott's been playing him, it's hard to get confident. The fact that Scott let him play late in that game and and Russell played well, that's going to help him in the future, definitely. Right. A lot of people actually have conspiracy theories that the only reason that D'Angelo Russell was able to get that late game run was because Kobe himself asked out of the game and Byron Scott decided to put in Russell. What do you think about that? It's possible. I, I don't. It's hard for me to speculate on conspiracy theories, but it's fun. I can. It's funny, though, because Byron Scott and Kobe Bryant have a very close persona- uh, relationship, excuse me, and a lot of the reason probably why Kobe Bryant gets so many shots besides the fact that he's Kobe Bryant and he could do what he wants because of the legacy that he's had with the Lakers over the course of his career is because they're close and so that kind of makes sense to me in a way that if Kobe Bryant asked out of the game Byron Scott's gonna say no you'll play he's not gonna say that he'll, he'll let Kobe sit and it makes sense that Clarkson and Russell can pair together in the backcourt and finish the game. He was 8 of 20 in the game. Not bad. And I like the fact that he ended the game. So if I'm guessing whether or not he'll continue to get late game minutes, I would say that he'll get more as the season progresses. I think it would be in the Lakers' long-term best interest if that were the case. But then again, I don't think Byron Scott has been that rational of a coach or even human being this season. So I'm definitely not confident that Clarkson, or excuse me, that Russell will get significant and consistent minutes going forward. I think it'll be hard to predict what Byron Scott's going to do. Right. You bring up the point of Byron Scott's rationality. A lot of people are also saying that maybe Byron Scott's using these strange coaching tendencies so that the Lakers actually win fewer games but I I don't think he's that pragmatic I think he's trying to keep his job and even though it's understood that the Lakers are in rebuilding mode I don't think he has so much latitude and freedom that if they 
turn in a Philadelphia 76ers like record that he'll keep his job. I I don't see that happen. Even so, don't you think that getting Russell minutes is more important to the Lakers than winning games at this point, Joshua? I think it is, but um Byron Scott doesn't he's old school through and through. He doesn't like playing rookies. Um he doesn't believe in analytics. He clearly in my opinion wants to win. He's just making dumb decisions so that it's not possible for the Lakers at this stage. But not on purpose, right? <laughs> not on purpose. Just by by being stubborn, so right? Stubborn and resistant to, to change. And resistant and new to, information. To analytics and, and yeah. playing young guys. Um, and just sticking with traditions and players who are who are too old to even walk the court. He's putting the Lakers in a bad spot. That is a bad spot from the perspective of an organization that was trying to win. Maybe the Lakers <laughs> front office doesn't want to win. Yeah. Maybe I want the guy to lead them to losing. I think also there's there's an interesting paradox, I guess you could say, in sports, long term versus short term interests. And the head coach, a guy like Byron Scott, who is probably on the coaching hot seat. It should be definitely, but they are in rebuilding mode, so I'll say probably. He has self-interested motives of keeping his job, though. He's not necessarily set on the Lakers being good in five years. He's set on having a job in two years. so Or even in ten games. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. So... It's it's a paradox there. What Mitch Kupchak wants, and he might not necessarily be there that long term either. But what he wants down the road is different than what Byron Scott needs in the here and now. That's a great point, especially with the amount of coaching turnover that we've seen in the NBA. It's hard to believe that a coach without a specific mandate handed down from the front office would actually lead it intentionally lead his team to losses. But yeah. Just before closing out this segment, we talked a little bit about the future of the Lakers with Ray. He has expressed his feelings about rebuilding through the draft. He doesn't like the uh, crapshoot that it is, but how do you think the Lakers can get back to their winning ways, Aaron? I'll be quick with this. I know we're short on time and it's hard to predict the future, but next season, I think the Lakers could be decent. I really do. If they're able to re-sign Clarkson, they don't, and they don't overpay so much for him. And, uh, Russell and Randall are that much better next year. And Randall's been really good. His, his, essentially his rookie year this year. Then I think that they'll be solid. I think that they could get a second year tier free agent and, if they had a new coach, like Ray said, that would be nice too. So I think they could be a near playoff team next year, maybe like a 10 seed, something like that, and not one of the worst in the league. And then if they're able to get to that point, then they could improve after that and in the not-too-distant future be back in the playoffs like we're accustomed to seeing. Joshua, do you have anything to add? I know Los Angeles is always a hot destination for free agent targets, although they've whiffed a few years in a row now. Yeah, just generally, I think the Lakers need to move into the 21st century. They need a head coach who likes advanced stats, who actually looks at analytics. Because players nowadays, top free agents that are, are looking at teams, that's definitely something that, that most of them care about. I'm sure 
LaMarcus Aldridge, when, when he had his disappointing meetings with the Lakers, he was probably turned off by the fact that they didn't seem like, like they were too into advanced stats. So aside from re-signing Jordan Clarkson and um, the continued progression of Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell, I think the Lakers need to really move into the 21st century, so to speak. Right. Especially, I think a big thing you heard out of those meetings was that Marcus Aldridge was a little bit turned off by the Lakers were mostly selling him on the idea of living in LA, how it's so Hollywood, you'll get so many, like, the nightlife or whatever. And, or endorsements, maybe. Right. And so and little on basketball. Little on basketball right? Yeah, and so. I, I think that's a really interesting point be- before we go, because if they're not showing improvement, if they don't show growth as the season progresses, the thing I said about a second-tier free agent probably won't happen. A guy like Greg Monroe, that quality, probably wouldn't sign with the Lakers if they're still terrible. But if they do well toward the end of the season and and there's a semblance of improvement, then it's easier to attract someone because increasingly players care about the talent of teams and less about the glitz and glamour of the city. Well, I think that's enough Lakers talk for now. We'll hit this little musical break and come back with our next segment in about a minute. Welcome back to the episode. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Aaron Fishman, and we'll do a little more Lakers talk from a different perspective slightly. Lauren mentioned this earlier. They played the Timberwolves twice and both times lost by a point. The Timberwolves seem to be a team that's better integrated their young players into their roster, and that's been, I think, a big reason why they're not so bad of a team this year. They're pretty mediocre which is a huge compliment and a huge improvement from minnesota's perspective another way you could frame it is between the lakers and timberwolves one of them is doing it right with regard to handling the young players and and the aging guys on their roster the other team not quite as much lauren just starting with you can you compare how both of those teams have integrated their young players into the roster and how they still utilize some of their aging guys yeah minnesota's definitely been a surprising team i don't know if anyone thought they were going to be this good this quickly i know everyone knew with andrew wiggins and carl anthony town zach levine ricky rubio etc those young players they would be good eventually but they really threw especially towns and wiggins into the mix very heavily early on this season and they were able to prove how good they could be both of them have shown that they have legitimate star potential already but uh lauren inject a little bit into this discussion the old guys kevin garnett i didn't mention him tayshawn prince 
and Andre Miller to a lesser extent because he's been battling some injuries and hasn't really played that much this year. But Garnett is still starting. Prince was starting, isn't anymore. But those guys on and off the court seemingly have had a big impact on the young guys. Can you touch on that, Lauren, before we go over to Joshua with a new question? Right. I think there there is like a sort of veteran mentorship idea with Miller, Prince, and Garnett providing a little bit of a guiding force and not necessarily contributing that much on the floor, but just being there, making sure that the kids are all working hard and imp- improving. And I think that type of veteran leadership, it's hard to take into account when you're thinking about how good teams can be and how good young players can reach a rip potential. It's kind of a slightly unfair comparison if you think about it because the Timberwolves have been awful for a lot longer than the Lakers. And so they've accumulated more very high draft picks. They have some guys on their roster like Ricky Rubio. I guess you could say Zach Levine to a certain extent that are a little further along in their progression versus Randall and Russell for the Lakers and even Clarkson because the Lakers haven't been as bad for as long. And also another thing that makes it slightly unfair is Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett are two very different players. Same with Kobe Bryant and Tayshaun Prince. Kobe Bryant is is a scorer, and it's hard for him kind of to change his mentality. But Joshua, can you touch upon a little bit how Kobe Bryant's scoring mentality and his chucking mentality is damaging the Lakers' young player progression and what Byron Scott or management can do to combat that? It's damaging the young star's progression because with Kobe Bryant throwing up these wild shots, it doesn't just mean that it's hurting the Lakers now. It's also hurting them in the future because their potentially future stars are not getting the opportunities to shoot. Um and and um, those are opportunities that they're going to need to draw upon um, as they get more comfortable in the league. Just following up on that, is that just so hardwired in his personality and mentality that it's just not going to change realistic for us to expect a change from Kobe in from that standpoint, because people have asked him about this and he says that it's time for me to, to let go a little bit, let the young guys show what they've got. But we haven't really seen him take fewer shots. Well, what do you think? Do you think he can let up a little bit and give them more of a chance? A few years ago, um, we saw Kobe Bryant being a lot less stubborn with forcing shots. He became a really good passer, and he had a string of five to eight games where he was finishing in, in the double digits regularly in assists. Now, his last year in the league, he's just throwing them up. I don't think at this point he even expects to make them. <laughs> I just think it's a, a stubbornness that he's he's going to go out firing. Can I just add, I do think it is sort of Kobe's mentality because as Joshua noted, even just two or three years ago, Kobe was, he was passing more than now, but he really wasn't playing in terms of style that much differently than he is now, I think. And he just had a couple seasons off with injury where he wasn't able to play. And I don't think he expected to come back as much worse as he did now. Comparing to Kevin Garnett, 
Kevin Garnett's been ha- has been in a lesser role for probably since 2010 or 11. Even he's accepted being a secondary or even tertiary player on his team. So it's been much more of a gradual letting up for KG. Whereas for Kobe, because of those injury seasons, I think he didn't get a chance to gradually wean himself off. Thanks for that addition. That's an excellent point. You look at Kevin Garnett's career statistics and 2012, 13 season, that was his last one with the Celtics. He was still playing nearly 30 minutes per game, averaging about 15 points per night. Then the next season, which was his first one with the Brooklyn Nets, his points per game were halved, less less than half. So then he was um, only scoring six and a half per game. His field goal attempts per game went from 12 and a half to six and a half. So forgetting all those numbers, I just threw a lot of numbers at you guys. Over the last three seasons, Kevin Garnett has had a diminished offensive role. It's not like all of a sudden he's being asked to shoot less. I'm not saying anyone's asked Kobe Bryant to shoot less. They probably haven't and they probably should. But Garnett is is more accustomed to this, as you pointed out, Lauren. It's been more of a gradual drop-off for him. I, I want you guys to touch upon, uh, and I'll start with Joshua, but I want both of you guys to talk about this a little bit. Yes, Garnett, Prince, and Miller have had a, a role off the court mentoring the youngsters, but on the court, what have they been able to do even for a, from a rebounding perspective, I'm thinking Garnett's averaging five rebounds per game in, in about 16 minutes. And you look at the points, Prince and Garnett don't score that much, but they still impact the game in a variety of ways. Joshua, what are some of those ways that they're able to do that? Well, first and foremost, they're leaders on the court, especially Kevin Garnett. When you have a guy like him on the court with you, it inspires confidence and it allows you to, to really do what you do best, knowing that he's there fighting with you. Specifically, what, what he provides at his advanced age, you said rebounding. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. He's averaging five rebounds per game this season in, in basically 16 minutes of contest. That's like 11 rebounds per 36 or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's something crazy. For a guy his age, that's just impressive. And he has so much mileage on him, just like Kobe, because those guys came out of high school. So Garnett's 39, but really, that that's like 42. And he's, he's almost shooting 47% from the floor. And if you watch Garnett these days, you'll notice that, that a lot of his baskets are mid-range jumpers, a lot of the shots that he's taking. So it's not like this guy is, is just dunking and, and making layups and missing more than half. He's shooting mid-range jump shots like he has for his entire career. Fadeaways, too. I think one thing also I just randomly wanted to point out is maybe it's helped Garnett. They they play completely different games, Kobe and Garnett, so it's not a one-to-one comparison. But yeah, Garnett has a lot less mileage because he was on so many teams that didn't make the playoffs early on. Kobe yep. Bryant was in the playoffs, deep into the playoffs every single year. Yeah, but for the last 10 years, basically, eight or nine years, he's been on good teams. That's true. But also, he hasn't been asked to play that many minutes per game. The most minutes a a contest he ever played with the Celtics was 32.8 his first season. And that goes back to managing players, too. Byron Scott, and we'll go to you, Lauren, before we close out. 
Byron Scott has not really, I mean, he says that he's kind of managing Kobe's minutes, but Kobe's still playing a, a fair amount right now. And um, obviously finding the opportunity to, to get a lot of shots up in that time. Do you think that we could see a noticeable improvement in Kobe Bryant's play and or efficiency if Byron Scott used him more sparingly, maybe rested him on the back ends of back-to-backs or something? I don't think we're going to see Kobe being rested in that type of way. Just with how the Lakers season is playing out this season, I think a lot of it is just, you know, a, a Kobe farewell tour. So, Especially if they're on the road. Fans don't want to spend thousands, hundreds and thousands of dollars for those seats. And then, oh, Kobe's not going to play. Right. And I don't. I also don't think Kobe would want that because it's not like they're arresting him for a purpose to like save him for the playoffs or anything. He's already announced that it's his last season, so he <laughs> that, might that is kind of selfish just for stats. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess it could be argued that his risk for injury is heightened because he's, he's so much older. He keeps getting injured. So maybe limit his minutes a little bit, but yeah, I don't, I don't really see that happening, but that's the end of the show. Lots of great Lakers discussion. We found a way to inject them into both of the segments. I mean, as always, it was fun talking with Ray. I know you'd agree with that, Lauren. We just have so much fun with him, but we'll come back with a vengeance next week in our nation's capital. We'll be talking Washington Wizards. Personally, I can't wait for that. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening.